This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life, and that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is The Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hunt. Great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, 888-900-3393 if you would like to uh, chat. And of course, if you missed uh, last night, when the Blaze Radio played my uh, night syndicated nighttime show uh, with Premier Networks from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m., you can download it at AmericanOutRadio.com slash podcast. Again, that's AmericanOutRadio.com slash podcast. Please check out that show as well as this one. A lot, of, <laughs> a lot of time for us. A lot of time for us to hang out these days. All right. The uh, order of the, well, I was going to say the order of the day, but it's really the order of the week, the executive order of the week is coming down uh, from the Trump White House. And I believe this morning there's some movement on it already based on what we're seeing reported. And here's what we're being told so far, that there's going to be a, quote, big immigration launch um, and that this is going to implement DHS, uh, DHS memos, policy memos, going to put them into motion, uh, including... Hiring 10,000 additional immigrations and customs enforcement officers and 5,000 new hires at the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Agency, according to Fox News here. So there's going to be more enforcement uh, enforcement personnel. You start with that. But this is where, which, oh, and also the beginning of the wall may happen uh, somewhat soon. I'm not clear on when that is. Um so we've got General Kelly, who runs the Department of Homeland Security. Should be noted when you look at the three most prominent administration uh, officials right now, who are former military, with McMaster as the newly designated National Security Advisor, uh, General Mattis as the Secretary of Defense, and General Kelly is at the head of the Department of Homeland Security. You have top-flight, highly respected military personnel in those key posts that doesn't seem to me to get nearly enough uh, coverage from the media and that's certainly not part of the narrative or we keep hearing about a Trump administration in disarray well, last week 
the disarray was because Flynn's gone. Now we see they fixed that. So there were a few days in which the president didn't have a national security advisor. And now he has put someone in place who I, I can't weigh the merits of the two candidates. I don't know enough about Flynn and McMaster to say which one is better than the other as a military mind or as a uh, somebody who's been on the battlefield. But I can say that it's certainly less of a political liability for the administration having McMaster in that role instead of Flynn. And so in that respect, in that regard, you'd have to call it a victory uh, or, or, or maybe not a victory, but an improvement. So what was a huge weakness, what was a blood-in-the-water moment, as everybody was saying. And I, I can appreciate that, especially when you're doing live radio. You try to come up with creative and worthwhile ways to say things, but you're also speaking extemporaneously. And so the danger of cliches when you're doing hours of radio at a time is even more than when you are on a deadline to get a written piece out there. It's very easy to find yourself on the wrong side of the uh, cliche the cliche wall. Speaking of walls, uh, there's supposed to be a start to the border wall coming up soon. But the place where you will see the real fight, and this is where you're going to have a lot of uh, problems with sanctuary cities like California, I mean, like uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and New York, is that the Trump administration is tightening deportation and detention rules. This is from the Wall Street Journal which will mean that almost anyone who's in the U.S. illegally is subject to removal. And uh, that's where you're going to see, I think, a real, a real tonal and, and also policy change coming out from the administration. Now, the way that this is depicted in the media, of course, immediately you're going to see a focus on uh, children, DACA, Dreamers, that's all you're going to hear about, as though the 11, let's call it maybe closer to 12, and I still believe who really knows the full number. I mean, I'm not saying it's 50 million. I'm not trying to say that it's vastly bigger than it is estimated, but I would be willing to bet that we keep hearing, you know, 11 million. Well, is it 11.1 million, 11.9 million? I mean, <laughs> how, how accurate is this 11 million number that it has managed to stay at a constant despite all of the illegal crossings happening at the border, despite a half a million visa overstays last year, we're told that the number is still uh, 11 million illegal immigrants in this country because there's outflow as well. Okay. But here we are now with the administration taking the... Uh, if, if you believe the way that this is reported on, or if you were to just read it without applying your own critical thinking skills, you, you would have to come away with the thought that this is a that this is a scandal that this is an outrage that the president of the United States would advocate for the enforcement of existing federal law i think that really bears repeating the president of the united states and the department of homeland security are going to push for law enforcement to act on the text, the statutory text of federal law governing immigration is going to be treated like it is a horrific crime against humanity by most of the media in this country. And they're going to be as dishonest on this issue going forward as you've seen them on pretty much anything. Because there has been a 
an all in uh, an all across the board decision by much most of the media, certainly the powerful sectors of the media, that they will indeed find uh, a way to justify a policy that is always somehow we don't take in enough immigrants and we're too harsh on illegal immigrants. We bring in a million people a year, as I've repeated to you many times in the past, in the recent past especially. We are more favorable towards immigrants and particularly more favorable towards immigrants without respect to their background and skills and what they bring to the table in this country than in any other developed country you can find or think of. Major country. I, I don't know what the, you know, the immigration policies of uh, Denmark are these days, but we are a country of 300 plus million. How we do things has a much greater impact on what's going on in the rest of the world. And, but if you look at other countries and how they enforce their own immigration laws and what they privilege in the immigration process, what we do here is say, oh, well, you have family, you can sponsor the rest of your family, and they go to the front of the line. Which means that individuals who come from countries where the whole family and a very large family and the extended family would love to come here are able to do so. So when you bring in, for example, 50,000 uh, uh, refugees from wherever they may come from, once they get permanent status, and now, and I, I, I will have to look at this specifically if refugees are exempted from this, but I know it's true of other immigrants, it becomes much easier for them to legally bring in the rest of their families. That's definitely true of, I mean, through chain migration of most immigrants. I believe it's also true of refugees. But even if it weren't true, all they have to do is fly, uh, get a plane ticket, say they're visiting that relative, come here, and stay. Overstay their visa because interior enforcement, enforcement of immigration laws in the U.S. interior is considered heinous, heartless, and wrong. That's how it is treated. I I always want to ask this question whenever I'm whenever the Democrats start with the well, are you really going to deport 11 million people? What are you going to do with Dreamers? I turn and ask them who doesn't. I want to ask them. And I never get this chance because I don't get to have a real debate with Democrats, especially on TV, because they're afraid of me. Uh, but who who doesn't get to stay? If we were to internalize. Everything that the Democrat media says about immigrants and immigration and all the rest of it, if we were to do all of that, who would get to stay? Or who would not get to stay? If we are a nation of immigrants, if immigrants do the jobs Americans won't do, if immigrant crime is lower than native-born crime, by the way, all of these things are either non-sequiturs, untrue, or misleading. If all of that were true, though, who would, who would we not allow to stay? Who are the members of the media comfortable holding up a hand and saying, sorry, you don't get to stay here? And let's understand what that means. It means that men with guns will at some point show up, women too, but will at some point show up and say, you got to go, you're coming with us, and you're leaving this country. That's what it means. That's what immigration enforcement actually means. And the response to illegal immigration can't just be paying a fine because then you're just putting a price ticket on American uh, on American status, if not citizenship, at least permanent residency. It can't be lengthy prison sentences. One, that, that doesn't seem fair. And two, it's not fair. And two, 
uh, we don't want to be housing the millions of people who want to come here who want to stay here illegally in our prison system I mean that's not that's not right and it's not smart it's not feasible uh, for long periods of time I know people say buck well they're detained yeah I know and you can there are immigration there are immigration crimes where people do serve periods of time <laughs> I whenever someone starts to say well we don't enforce these laws so we shouldn't pretend like we're going to enforce them I, I always I also want to ask where does the lawlessness stop? You can look it up if you if you were to just go on any of your website browsers and you look up uh, marriage fraud, you will see that in this country still to this day, despite everything that's happened to marriages and institution and the changes and no fault divorce and quickie marriages and everything else. The federal government will, in some cases, depends on how sympathetic the defendants are and all the rest of it, will prosecute people for marriage fraud, which is usually a ruse for someone to get permanent residency in the United States. That's why people engage in marriage fraud. But it's, I believe, punishable by up to five years in federal prison. And they still they still will prosecute people over that. So they will bring people into a room and they'll say, what side of the bed do you sleep on? What does your wife have for breakfast every morning? And when you can't answer those questions and you don't know, they will send you to federal prison. Who is the victim in that crime? I, I would have to say, if I were sitting around in a prison cell because of a marriage fraud, I would be pretty darn annoyed, especially considering that there are 11 million illegal immigrants in the country who just, they didn't even go through the the trouble of trying to get some legal arrangement to stay by engaging in a fraud marriage. They just stay. And if you lock one of them up, you're heartless, you're cruel, it's terrible. And And when people bring children into this, I have friends who have worked at the uh, courthouses here in New York City, at federal court here in New York City. Uh, I know people who have spent, not just, of course, our friend Andy McCarthy who comes on and others, but uh, others that are, will remain unnamed because they are conservatives in their politics and in their private lives, but not publicly. And I've heard them talk about what it's like when someone is prosecuted for securities fraud. Family's ruined. They have taken property that they are not entitled to. It's illegal and they've run a fraud of some kind, they've scammed people. No one sets up a petition and says, well, that house in, I was going to say in Greenwich, but that makes it seem like everyone who engages in securities fraud is rich. In fact, the very rich tend to get away from prison time and securities fraud unless there's a uh, political profit for the prosecutor. It's usually the lower level guys, the smaller fish that really serve time, who can't pay the huge marquee fines. If you can pay $300 million, you can stay out of prison. You know, if you can pay $3 million, you're probably going to prison in the securities fraud side of things. Uh, but no one sits around and crying for the, the children and the wives who they lose all their property. Everything's gone because of what was what was a violation of law. So if if American citizenship is a valuable commodity, and I think we're all clear that it is, why is stealing it something that should be done with impunity or stealing the benefits of it? I know people say, well, they're not really citizens. And why is it that if I were to, and increasingly I think, you know, if, if Elizabeth Warren is in charge, I know I sound like one of these Hollywood, uh, Hollywood liberals who's always threatening to leave the country but never will, but if Elizabeth Warren were to win the next presidential election, what would happen if I showed up in Monaco and just demanded citizenship? Monaco is beautiful. There's basically no crime. So right there on the French Riviera, have a great time. I couldn't just demand citizenship. They would have some people show up with guns and put my butt on a plane and send me back to where I came from. 
I wouldn't just get to demand. No, no, you, you make me a citizen. I couldn't show up in Mexico. I couldn't show up in Canada and demand to be made a citizen, demand the right to stay. So where does it end? I, I just That's the question that I would like the Democrats, because when they gear up for this thing, the opposition to the enforcement of immigration laws that is going to be mounted soon here, the opposition to this notion of what's on the books is what we actually, that's different than prioritization. Right. I mean, prioritization in law enforcement is, OK, look, we got you on this, but it's a low, you know, it's a low level offense as these offenses go and don't do this again. And we'll defer prosecution or we'll let this go. We'll push this aside. Prioritization is not. Yeah, we've decided that we're just not going to enforce that law anymore. I mean, imagine for imagine for a moment if, if that was the Republican stance on what people should do on, under the Trump administration about their taxes. Everyone just, you know what, the law doesn't say you have to pay a flat tax of 10%, but I'm going to instruct the IRS that that's, and look, I think that would be great, but the reality is that that would cause its own problems too. Kind of wish the Trump administration would get its uh, get its butt in gear a little bit with some of this stuff. I, I don't understand what the slowdowns are. I know I'm drifting off the immigration topic here, but I just want to set the table on immigration because what's coming is going to be a knockdown, drag out, all out fight and you're going to hear a lot of lies and you're going to hear a lot of pandering and all kinds of nonsense on this. Must fo- you must focus on immigration is supposed to benefit the people who are already in this country. Immigration is not a welfare program for the whole world. It's not just supposed to be America is the soup kitchen and the uh you know the, the jobs program for every foreign every foreign government that wants to allow its people to come here or that has people that want to come here that the law has to mean something or else no law really has much meaning anymore and we could extend that to any number of federal statutes that i think are complete crap so you you have to keep that in mind and also if democrats want to play the game of are you are you really going to send kids home i want to play the game of who do you think should be sent home other than violent felons who shouldn't be in this country in the first place and even there democrats get a little a little angry, a little irritated when you start to round them up. This is going to be quite a fight, my friends. All right, 888-900-3393, team. We'll be right back. Buck Sexton. The Blaze Radio Network. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess, it's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline, a licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. 
You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show. Team sponsor this hour, silencershop.com. The best place to go for a silencer, period, is silencershop.com. They have a fantastic selection. They know exactly how to get you through the process of a silencer. When it comes to doing the paperwork, getting it all done right, silencershop.com is the place, the place, number one for you to go. So uh, check it out. You can read testimonials on the website. You can see all the latest that they have in the market, in the silencer market, and uh, you can check it all out there. So silencershop.com. Again, silencershop.com. Uh, do, do you guys want to talk about the Milo thing today? I don't know. I, I've, the, the good news for me is I've got so much time on radio with you that I never feel rushed anymore. And so during the day now, I feel like I... It's like we're, we're beginning the conversation, and then I'm going to continue it with you all later, uh, which is why I want you to... I'm starting to think of this five hours as almost... It's like one continuous show. It's two hours from 12 to 2 Eastern, and then three hours from 6 to 9 Eastern. All of it on the Blaze Radio, by the way. And uh, But I, I just want to know if you think that this is really something we, we should discuss, that I should spend time on. I have... Uh, I have my views on it. I, I don't think anything that I would say on the Milo situation would surprise any of you. Um, I, it, this is one of these things where I almost feel like it, it, it's, it's so obvious that you shouldn't, that there are certain things that you sh- can't say or you shouldn't advocate for that for me to take our time to say, well, I mean, clearly what he said is, of course, what he said is, is crosses the line. Um, and there's also a part of me that absent the very extreme circumstances where even I will say that really crosses the line, I always feel like somebody deserves a a second chance if they are, are sincere and they apologize. And but this was particularly look, it was really bad. And I have to tell you, you know, there's sometimes where as somebody in conservative media, it's it's easy to start to get a little bit annoyed with uh, what feels like a performance art of provocation instead of uh, honest and uh, forthright, heavy list, heavy lifting intellectually to win the argument as this country continues to face some of these issues. I know that's a divergence. Anyway, if you want to talk about it, let me know. Team, we'll be back in just a few. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, team, we're very pleased to be joined now by Rich Lowry. He is the editor of National Review, and he's a syndicated columnist as well as a Fox News contributor. Rich, thank you so much for making some time today. Hey, Buck. Thanks for having me. Uh, let's start with the uh, the dust-up from over the weekend. I, I know you posted something at nationalreview.com, uh, the corner a section of it, on this issue of Trump referring to some media outlets as uh, the ed- the enemy of the people. I-, I agree with your assertion, by the way. I don't think he understands the enemy of the people as a phrase, what some of the undertones there are. I think he just means right. that they're the opposition. But I also think that people make a big deal out of everything that Trump says, so it's kind of tough to parse this all out. What w- what- what is your, your uh, not-so-hot, because it's been a couple of days, but your take on this one? 
Well, uh, I, I, I don't think it's the end of the First Amendment in America, as some of our friends in the, the press say. I wouldn't use the word enemy even about my enemy. You know, ISIS is our enemy, not not Nancy Pelosi or the editor of the New York Times. But Agreed there's no on doubt that, the yeah. press is the, uh, the opposition party. And uh, uh, really, I, I think last August, when the New York Times used the word lie in a front-page headline about Trump, that was a sign that the press... Uh, mainstream press was going totally into opposition. There was a brief, brief moment of self-reflection after the election when the press was as, as stunned as some of the rest of us were and uh, uh, thought, well, maybe we should be uh, a little more open. Maybe we should uh, question some of our assumptions. And that period lasted all of about five days. And then ever, ever since then, every two or three days, there's some crisis that supposedly heralds an, uh, uh, you know, uh, an end of the American regime. And uh, we've just been in this cycle constantly. And there have been concerning things. There have been mistakes. But there's also been a lot of hysteria uh, on the part of the, of the, the media. Um, I, I hope he also doesn't decide to call the media a you know, public enemy number one. There's some yeah. phrases that would be best, it would be best if he stayed uh, if he stayed away from, um, especially without understanding the historical context. But I, I can also see how, uh, for a lot of people that 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 just watch this as outsiders who aren't obsessed with politics, who don't work in this as as you do and I do uh, day in and day out, they just see that there's a, a refreshing honesty to Trump being willing to at least say publicly that I mean you go down the line at CNN where I used to work as a commentator and there are, every major every major news anchor there doesn't like Trump and is a Democrat you look right. at the Sunday talk shows I, I cannot think of a Sunday show that is not on Fox where there is any uh, any reasonable expectation that any of those hosts would have voted Republican and certainly not uh, certainly would not have voted for Trump so isn't it okay to point out that this perception is there? I mean, why why do people seem to think that it's so much better for freedom and democracy and liberty and the First Amendment to have a completely compliant and uh, press that covers for the previous administration as opposed to a what we have now? I mean, why was it okay yeah. with Obama but not okay that now they're against him? Yeah, you can argue it was more a threat to uh, free, free expression or a system to have a, a press in a slobbering love affair with the president of the United States, as we saw at least when Obama initially entered office, uh, rather than the president of the United States kind of firing back. And I, and I think you know, my reaction to a lot of this stuff, this tweet, that the press conference that preceded the, the tweet that kind of ever, had everyone agog, is, you know, 35% hardcore Trump supporters. They're like, right on, thank God, you know, he's, he's preaching the truth. And then you have, you know, some persuadable middle that ultimately Trump needs to, to hold and build on to win re-election that probably just doesn't care that much and is waiting to see the, the results. And I, and I think that ultimately would be more decisive than any of this. You know, events, you know, there'll be unexpected crises. How does the administration handle them? And the economy. And if the economy gets better and if there's job growth, and most importantly, wage growth, it doesn't matter what Trump tweets. He, he's going to be in a good position. We're speaking to Rich Lauer, who's the editor of National Review, syndicated columnist and Fox News contributor. Uh, Rich, before I move on to the policy and agenda items that are, are being unveiled, rolled out this week in the Trump White House, uh, one more thing. National Review, I, I have many of your writers and have had many of your writers both as, as colleagues on different panels in the past on TV and, and also have had them on radio. You guys are smart. Even people don't agree with you think that National Review has good writers and smart people. And I'm assuming that that also means that you come across journalists from the left 
who are a little more willing to be honest with you than perhaps they will publicly about what they really think about all this Trump stuff. And I know you write for Politico, so you're, you're in contact. And I'm not asking you for any names. I'm just wondering, yeah. though, the journalists on the left that you that you interact with, who at least have a respect for you and, and the Nash Review staff intellectually, if they disagree with you, will they admit that they hate Trump or do they really think they're being fair? I think, you know, among my friends in the mainstream press, there's at least one, and I'll, and I'll say maybe two, just to have the margin of error, um, uh, one or two of them who aren't appalled by Trump and don't think this whole thing is fated to be a disaster. Those are just built-in assumptions. And, you know, a lot of these, these folks, um, you, you know, you refer to them being on the left. A lot of them aren't really on the left, or at least they don't identify that way, but they just swim in this ocean. And they're not aware of their biases or the fact that their assumptions might be uh, fallacious or erroneous. So just, just this, this assumption about Trump, it colors everything. So it's why uh, whenever there's any story, what was, I'm trying to think of, of a couple that were blown out of proportion, you know, the gag, the gag order on, on new agencies, which turns out every, every new administration has a so-called gag order, which means you, you just don't want the, the bureaucracy to be tweeting stuff out and communicating things is not in keeping with the new policy. So this is a routine thing, but, you know, Reuters or someone reports it, and immediately every reporter in the universe blows it into some horrific uh, descent of fascism in America, and then, you know, three hours later you get to the truth and that, that it was overblown. And, and the reason well, they do that is because they, they assume the absolute worst. Right, so you're saying it's not that they... Are, are hiding their political proclivities and, and are, are actively trying to subvert the Trump administration by being what they think is dishonest. They just think this is reality. <laughs> they actually Correct. believe yeah. now, that, these, right, the that these are things. So, so they have no sense of the perspective here. Uh, but doesn't that also then tie into why you get people, whether it's, uh, I mean, I keep going back to CNN because I know the folks over there, but in other places as well, the fake news comment really stings them. And I think it's it's like the old uh, schoolyard issue of when someone says something that is true and, and hurts, it hurts a lot more than when they say something that's clearly not true. I think right. that's why fake news gets them so riled up, because they know they are running stories that aren't true or that are exaggerated or they're hyperventilating about Trump. And they're doing this repeatedly. Yeah. And then but there, there never seems to be any accountability. Um, so, you know, they they, they get the election wrong, you know, for, for a good solid year. They, they run with these uh, mistaken or distorted or, or overhyped stories, and there's never a sense of, you know, I'm sorry, or, or anyone has to, to go. You know, this, this kind of blob just stays there. And th- this is where I, I don't think, you know, some, some of Trump enthusiasts think he's going to destroy the media. Well, there's just no destroying these people. <laughs> you know, they, these big institutions, they're not going away. And it's, it's gratifying and in, in many instances justified for Trump to punch back. But ultimately, his revenge over the media will be governing successfully and getting reelected. Um, he's not going to destroy I, I also, them with tweets or press conferences. Right. Absolutely. And the notion that he's destroying the First Amendment, not, and I think there is, a, there is a, a cautionary note should be struck for some people on the right, myself included, with always saying, well, Obama did this, therefore with Trump, it's not as bad. Or, But there are some places where I think that's not only fair, it's, it's really warranted. And when you had the previous administration arguing in Citizens United that the government has a right to ban certain books within a certain 
time frame of an election. Right. That was the actual, as you know, that was the that, that was the the government lawyers were contending that. Never mind what Citizens United itself would have done, and on top of that, they, all the other fairness doctrine and things the left pushes. The, yeah, the threat and, to for the, the First leak, Amendment clearly comes from the left more than the right. Yeah, and the I'm leak sorry? prosecutions and the leak prosecutions and surveilling oh, yeah. James Rosen. You know, <laughs> imagine if the Trump administration were were doing that to anyone right now. You know, the lid would blow off the place. And that my basic rule is that words are words. There, there's nothing wrong with them. You know, I, I there are things Trump says that I disagree with, but um, but just saying that the media is wrong or or you know there's fake news or you know a, a judicial decision is wrong is not a threat to our system. I'm I'm somebody who has said many times that I know Nash Review, you guys published Never Trump. You've been very upfront about your hesitation about Trump or your criticisms of Trump in the past. Uh, You've been very upfront about that. And now you're calling balls and strikes as they come through. And I I read the site and I read a lot of your writers all the time. Uh, But I have to say, you know, looking at the way that this is playing out right now, it seems to me uh, like for some in the media, there's nothing Trump can do that's ever going to be right. And they're even willing to say as the ultimate conclusion of all this Russia investigation stuff has to be in their minds, that Trump is a traitor. And I, I, I do think that that's also something that's a little, that's beyond, certainly at this stage, what you were seeing from anybody with a following, anyone in the mainstream about the Obama administration. There was just that story that was run recently about how Trump would betray national security secrets to Russia, so the intel community was holding stuff back. Right. Uh, never mind the fact that I was in the IC and I think this is nonsense. They were insinuating that Trump was a traitor. That's what that was. Right, right. Well, it, again, it's just kind of leaping to the worst possible conclusion. Now, on the Russia stuff, I think there's a, a wide spectrum. It, it could turn out to be a, an enormous, even thermonuclear scandal, you know, if, say, Paul Manafort was directly coordinating the hacks, you know, with the Russians, or it could turn out to be a complete fizzle. But we need to know more facts. But everyone goes to the, or at least a lot of the press, just goes to the very worst scenario. So we saw the comparisons last uh, last week to Iran Contra or even to Watergate, which brought down. Oh, always Watergate, Rich. Always, always go Watergate, right? That's the first option. <laughs> exactly. It's amazing to watch this stuff play out. Oh no, uh, Rich, I want to ask you about the uh, the executive order that's coming out on immigration and what on, on a policy side. People have been criticized. Well, two things, real quick, and then I'm gonna let you get back to running National Review. Um, one, do you think that the Congress is be, the Republican-led Congress is being too slow? And two, what are your expectations for what Trump's rolling out on immigration this week? I do think the Republican Congress is is being slow. I, I do think we've forgotten what it's like to legislate because basically it hasn't happened in six years. It's always messy. I think both with Obamacare repeal and replace and tax reform, even if we get both, which I don't think is guaranteed, but probably more likely than not. It'll seem at various times that they're they're dead or foundering. Um, but I, I do think this is an area where uh, Congress needs presidential leadership, and both on the Obamacare replace and on tax reform, pretty soon here, Trump's going to have to pronounce on what exactly he wants and push Congress in that direction. Otherwise, you know, th- th- these folks o- oftentimes can't, you know, uh, run a two-car funeral because it's especially in in the Senate because there are just so many. Um, differing voices and, and rival power centers. So I, I'm not alarmed, a little concerned about that. On immigration, you know, we have the, the guidance from DHS now on what the, the enhanced enforcement will look like, and it's just going to be a tightening up across the board where the administration is actually going to enforce the law, which is shocking to a lot of people because we haven't done it in a very long time. And then it seems like the executive order on the travel will mostly be cosmetic uh, 
changes. You know, making making it clear, crystal clear doesn't apply to green card holders. Not doing the, the suspension of Syrian uh, migrants uh, or refugees, and then trying to relitigate it on on the, the slightly firmer grounds. Uh, a, a quick a quick prediction. I think that even though they will address the concerns that have been stated, people forget about the Brinkman decision in in uh, Virginia where she, uh, that judge just said, this is about bigotry and anti-Muslim bias. I mean, that's been, that came after the Ninth Circuit, but that lays under the surface. I think even if they do what you're saying they're going to do, and I agree with you, there still may be a judge that decides to be a hero for the left and just, and over the, but we'll have to, we'll have to hit that again another time. Uh, we're, we're running to a hard break. Rich Lowry is editor of Nash Review, syndicated columnist and commentator for Fox News. Go to NashReview.com, everybody. I do. You should too. Rich, thank you so much. Thanks so much, Buck. Uh, Team, we're going to hit a break. We'll be right back. This is the Buck Sexton Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. You really... If you watch uh, some of these CNN panels, you see they'll they'll bring on columnists who realize that it's good for their brand to just be nasty, just be nasty to conservatives. It's not even a question of whether they disagree on substance. Just be mean to them, and people will tweet at you that you're a genius. Here's New York, the New York Times is Charles Blow and Kaylee McEnany having an exchange on live TV. Play it. I do think some of my left-wing commentators who I disagree with ideologically the, 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 the do that. The fact that you touched me before you said that is wrong. Don't <laughs> oh, do that. Don't well, do that. No, 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 ma'am. Don't do, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't touch okay. me and then say you're launched into your sinister motivations I didn't, diatribe. Okay. That's not going to happen tonight, ma'am. I, I didn't realize right? there's a one-inch barrier there, where I'm not allowed to, there, to, there, to get close no, to there, Charles there, Now I know, so I'll scoot over this way a bit. You can scoot until you fall off that ledge. What I'm telling you is don't touch all right, all right. But Charles, this is the problem. This yeah. is the problem. And it was what you just said to me is a lot like what Maxine Waters said today when she said, look, don't ask to meet with me, President Trump. I don't even want to meet with you. We're all Americans. Maybe you don't feel that way. We have one president. We should all want him to succeed. And we should all be friends at the end of the day and hug it you out. And if you don't you want about, to do that, you, about, you don't you have about, to do that. You're about to turn this from a civil conversation into me telling. Because we're all Americans. No, 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 ma'am. Because we're all you're, Americans. Because now you, that's a very personal attack to say that I don't believe that I'm an American. I, maybe I don't believe that I'm an American. Don't do that. You said See, I'm no, not no. even allowed to touch you. No, that is not. just like what Matt said. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. That's very sad. All right. No, you're not. Go ahead. So, he seems like a nice, polite gentleman. He's first of all, he's telling a lady he hopes she, she, her chair falls off the ledge and she like smacks her head on the ground. And, and then he gets all, all upset uh, when she says that we're all Americans. <laughs> oh, look at the New York Times, man. These places. You know, I don't know. One day, I, there's like a part of me that's like, if I ever just start, you know, start Buck's Grilled Cheese Shop somewhere and I can just have a Twitter account and say whatever the heck I want. Oh, man. The stuff that I would say to some of these people if I didn't have to worry about getting fired. <sighs> good times. Good times, everybody. Hour two coming up. Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. 